Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. for us what you love about your mom. Please write down a few things you love about your mom. There's only five. I need to put at least a six. Please write down a few things you love about your mom. She'll answer the phone. That was strange because it went straight to voicemail. So let me try the house phone. Your call has been forwarded. Oh, mom. Uh, <laughs> no worries, don't stress. Hi, mom. Hey, baby. Hey, mommy, como esta? Hey, mom. Hey. I was just calling you back. Hey, mom. Hey. Hey, mom. Um, I just wanted to call you real quick to tell you a few things that I love about you. Um, the first thing is, is that you love me unconditionally, no matter what. Um, doesn't matter what I do, you're always there for me. Number one is I love your sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You make me laugh. And I love your heart for other people. I, well, the first thing I wrote down was that I loved your smile. Um, you just smile all the time. Whenever I make a mistake, you are there for me. Number four, everything my mom has ever told me that I thought might be crazy at the time or she didn't know what she was talking about was always actually true. Que usted trabaja bien muy duro. Um, siempre está aquí por los otros. Um, y todas las cosas que usted dice linda cuando no, cuando era chico yo. You just always have this presence that is just so caring towards everyone that you meet. Uh, you love us so well. I love your love of music. Uh-huh. And I also love the way that you love our family. Oh, Jacob, you're making me cry. I don't do this. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Number five, I couldn't have asked for a better grandparent for my daughter. Oh, so nice, Michael. Your relationship with the Lord has given the best example for me and has always given me someone to look at in times when I need encouragement. I just wanted to tell you that you mean a lot to me and thank you thank you for everything you always done, being a hard worker, being there for us. Just all the many sacrifices you did throughout your life in order for us to be what we are today. Um, you also are so strong, and um, you've overcome so many things, and I just wanted to tell you that. Thank you. <laughs> That's really special, Emma. Thank you. That's really precious. 
Okay. Well, I love you. Right, you have a great day. I love you too. Have a good day. Right, bye. Bye. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. I love you. Love you too, darling. See. Sí. Yo también la amo mucho. Te amo, mami. Gracias, mi amor. Yo también la he hecho el día. See, no, usted me hizo mi vida. I might have made your day, but you made my life. Well, I love you so much. Mom, daughter, partners. Me too. Here's a tissue if you need one. So I just, I'll put it right up here. Let me say a word of prayer for our moms. Father, thank you so much for all your good gifts, but we thank you especially today for our moms. And I just uh, pray that they would have a sense of your smile upon their life for all they've done for us, their investment, their hard work that goes unrecognized so many times. Father, I also want to pray for those uh, for whom this day is a tough day, for those who've recently lost their mom, for those who, for whatever reason, uh, have an unhealthy relationship. There's conflict right now uh, with their mom or with their kiddos and just pray that you'd give them grace for this day. Also pray, dear Father, for those who feel a call to parenting uh, but struggle with infertility. We know that your grace is sufficient for these days. In Jesus' name we pray these things, amen. Hey, glad you joined us today. If you'll notice on there, it says uh, Pastor Josh is teaching today, he is not. His actual, we're in a series called Seven Words That Could Change Your Life, and his word today was the word no. And he uh, called me uh, earlier in the week and told me that he was sick. Apparently, he's allergic to something in Texas that they don't have in Tennessee. And uh, so I uh, asked him yesterday, late in the day, if he was going to be able to preach, and he said no. So uh, he said his word, and I'm going to say mine. So uh, I'm stepping in today, and I've pulled a message that I've taught several years ago that is one word as well, and it's the word peace. And if you've already heard this message, what I want to say to you is you didn't do anything about it the first time I taught it, so I'm going to teach it again. And I'm going to keep teaching it until you get it, all right? All right. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse four. If you don't happen to have a word of God, that's okay, because we're going to have it up here on the screen. We're going to talk about this word peace. Now, those of you who know me well know that that's a, a fairly common greeting that I give. If you're walking around the halls of the church, if you're on staff here or anything, it's fairly common for me to say peace. Uh, and I really, I say that because a lot of times we say, hey, how are you doing today? And we really don't want to know. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a throwaway greeting. And I thought, you know, we see people so often, it'd be better to give a blessing for people. And so I say peace. I'm a child of the 60s, so I used to say uh, peace, love, and drugs, but my wife said that sounded bad. And so I changed it to peace, love, and Tylenol. And she said, that sounds weird. <laughs> so now I just say peace. Uh, but I've got, uh, I've got good reason to do that. When you read the writings of Paul, which we're going to look at today as we, as we study together, that's something he uses fairly often as his salutation. He'll say, peace to you. And then uh, he got it from a good source because that was a pretty common salutation of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he saw people, he wished them shalom. Or peace. And so how, how can we have peace in our life? That is a word 
that if it becomes a reality in your life and mine, it really can change our life. It's an elusive word though, isn't it? Let me just say this, that peace is not a lack of conflict. It is the presence of the Lord in any circumstance. And when we have a right relationship with him, any circumstance can be a circumstance where we experience peace. Let's look at the scripture together. In Philippians, the fourth chapter in verse four, it says this, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your minds, what you think about, and your hearts, how you feel, in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. All right? Now, what he's talking about here is he's talking about a formula for peace. And if you're not careful, I remember, I really do remember reading this and, and really receiving it for the first time as a high school student. And as I read this portion of the scripture, it occurred to me that, that Paul was just saying, don't worry, be happy, all right? As if somehow you could just kind of flip a switch and turn off the worry that steals away your peace and the conflicts that are going on in your life, the tribulations that you're facing, the, the, the challenges that you have to scale. Uh, but he's doing more than that. He's giving us a formula for peace. And it's a very simple formula. It's a formula that we can all remember. He basically says, first of all, the, the secret to true peace in your life is to obey God. The second, he says, is to pray to God. Let's look at both in this passage, obey and pray. First of all, he says to obey God. I, I, it's my belief that about 80% of the things that rob us from our peace are circumstances that we've gotten ourselves in because we've not followed God's direction for our life. Don't you find that true in your own life? I remember when I was a kid growing up, uh, my dad worked for Mobile Oil Corporation. As a result, we lived all over the United States. We were in South Dakota, we were in Louisiana, we were in Florida, we even spent some time in Mississippi. And while we were there in Mississippi, because we moved so much in the early days, my parents never bought a house, they were always renting from someone. In this particular place where we were there in Mississippi, they were renting from some people and they had a little servant's quarters in the back of the main house where we lived. And beside that house, there was a little dog run. There was a place where uh, equipment went in and out and, and, and it wasn't cared for very well. It was just a dirt area. But in that little area by our house, there was a hole in the ground for whatever reason, which didn't bother us. I was one of three boys, a middle troubled child. I had an older brother, younger brother, and we used to play in that hole in the ground. That was our playground. And so that hole became a foxhole. It became a, a race car. It, it became the cockpit of an airplane. We had more fun in that hole. Uh, on the other side of a white picket fence was St. Augustine grass, beautiful yard, magnolia trees. And, and beyond that was this beautiful, what I thought, it, it, maybe it was, maybe it was just because I was young, was a mansion with white columns. And there was a little girl that used to play on the other side of the fence. Now, she never spoke to us, but she, we could see her playing underneath those trees. 
she always had, uh, she was dressed up all the time. She had petticoats and she had Grecian curls. The kid was not normal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One particular day there was rain that had fallen in that hole though and there was mud in there. And so I went inside and got some of my mom's pie tins and we began to make mud pies and lay them out to dry around that hole in the ground. And all of a sudden we got that little girl's attention. And she came over the fence and she, she spoke to us for the first time and she said, boys, what are you doing? And so I picked up one of those little mud pies and I walked over to the fence. I said, we're making mud pies. Would you like a bite? And I smashed it into her face. <laughs> now this was before my call to ministry, let me say that. <laughs> but that little girl turned and began to scream all the way back to that mansion. It was at that moment that I began to worry. <laughs> now. Guys, this is a metaphor for your life and mine, is it not? How many times have you found yourself in that situation where you did something, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and then all of a sudden you found yourself in a dilemma that robbed you of your peace? The Lord says through Paul here that we can have peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds, but the first step is to obey the Lord, and he gives us three examples. He could have given us more than that, but he gives us three examples of what it means to obey God. The first is right relationships. Notice what he says here in verse five. He says, let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. Now that phrase, forbearing spirit, is probably not a phrase that you used in a sentence this week, all right? Some of you will have a, a version of the Bible that uses the word gentle instead of forbearing spirit. Here's what the words literally mean. The words literally mean to go beyond justice or to go beyond halfway. See, most of the time when we're dealing with other people and we have a conflict, we say things like this. We say, well, I'll meet you halfway. I'll meet you halfway. This word or this phrase says go beyond halfway, go beyond justice, go beyond what's right. Now, why does Paul instruct us inspired by the Holy Spirit to do that? Because my halfway and your halfway never seem to make a full way. Back in the early days of our church, I did a lot of counseling before we had the great counseling center that we have here now on this campus. And I, and I used to ask uh, the, if there was a husband and wife that were having marital problems and they wanted to see me, I'd ask the husband to show up 30 minutes before the wife because I wanted to speak to them individually. And I would ask the gentleman, I would say, now here's the whole problem, 100% of the problem. How much of this is your fault? How much of it will you own? And I would start with 50%. Nobody ever took 50%. And we'd go all the way down and finally the, the gentleman would say, well, 10% of it's my issue. I said, well, let's talk about your 10%. He'd go, whoa, 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 she's got 90%. I've only got 10%. Why are we talking about my 10%? And I said, well, we've got about 20 minutes before she's going to get here. Let's get rid of your 10% and then we can focus on her when she gets here, okay? And here's what I found out about those sessions. If we could solve 20% of their problems, we were in good shape. His 10% and her 10%, all right? Okay? Some of you will get that on the way home. I know it's math. <laughs> but see, isn't that the problem? We think we're doing our part and we're not doing our part. And so Paul says to us is let the spirit of going beyond justice be made known to all men. Aren't you glad that Jesus did meet us halfway? Aren't you glad he came all the way from heaven? Aren't you glad he paid for all of your sin? And he wants us to be like he was to us. He wants us to go beyond justice. Notice also what it says here. It says, let this forbearing spirit be made known to all men. That would include your enemies. 
In other words, you and I are to live in such a way that even our enemies know that we've done more than our fair share in trying to make things right. Do you hear me? They may not admit it. They may still be our enemies, but we're to live in such a way that it is so obvious. It's obvious to all men, even our enemies, that we've gone beyond justice, that we've done more than our fair share. Now, here's what it says in Romans. It says, as far as it's possible with you, live at peace with all men. That tells me it's not possible to live at peace with some people. You're gonna always have enemies. I'm gonna always have enemies, but here's what I believe. I believe we can lay our head down on our pillow at night and we can sleep in peace if we've done our part to go beyond justice. If we've eliminated the, the opportunity for anyone to be in conflict with us because we've done, like Jesus, more than we should do. I think we can live with those enemies. I think God will give us a peace of a protection against those people. And then he gives us a reason to do this. He says, the Lord is near. And when he says the Lord is near, he means it in two ways. He means it in time and in space. The Lord is near. First of all, he says, the Lord is near in time. Do you believe like I do that the Lord Jesus Christ is returning one day? Yeah. And when he comes, he's going to make all things right. Here's that, what that same Lord says. He says, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. God alone is the judge. And many times what we try to do is we try to play God's part. We try to make everything right. We try to teach somebody a lesson. We try to retaliate for what they've done for us. And the Bible says that we're to have a forbearing spirit. We're to have a gentle spirit because the Lord's coming back and he's going to do his job and we don't need to be doing his job. But it also means that the Lord is near in space. And by that, what I mean is that the Lord is with us. Those of us who are followers, the Lord is with us all the time. Do you notice how you act differently if somebody's watching, if certain people are watching? Uh, I was coming home uh, from a ball game the other night and uh, all of a sudden I saw a police car and all of a sudden I slowed down all of a sudden and I needed to slow down. <laughs> and I started doing like this. Isn't it amazing that when a, a position of authority over you is watching that all of a sudden you, you, you live a little differently? Guess what, friends? There is an authority in our life. He is our Lord, Jesus Christ, and he's always there. And he's listening to how we respond to other people, and he's listening how we speak to others, and he, he's listening how we deal with them. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men because the Lord is coming back and he'll make things right because the Lord is with you right now and he's watching what you're doing. Guys, I don't know of anything more important than our relationships. And if we could sanctify them, if we could allow the Lord to be a part of those, if we could obey what the Lord says about forgiveness and grace and communication and generosity, we would lose a lot of the things that rob us from our peace. So first of all, he says right relationships. The second thing he talks about is he talks about right thinking. Right thinking. Look at verse 8, if you will. I love this verse. In verse 8, it says, finally, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good reputation, excellent, anything worthy of praise, let your Mind dwell on these things. In other words, as believers, he's saying, be careful about what you let in your mind. In other words, use this grid to keep all thoughts out that don't belong there. And here's why that's important when it comes to peace. Some of us have flabby minds. Here's what I mean by a flabby mind. 
we let anything come into our mind. We let all kinds of garbage, we let all kinds of filth. Uh, we let, uh, allow all kinds of imagination and we never exercise the mental muscles that God wants us to exercise to say, that really doesn't have a place in my mind. And as a result of that, what happens is when worry decides to tromp across the living room of your mind in its dirty boots, it finds a welcome environment because of all the other garbage that's in there. You see, if we will guard our mind, if we'll think, not only behave, but think like God wants us to behave, and then what we have is we have a mental muscle that when Satan comes and he tries to get us to obsess about something and, and over and over again to worry about something we're tossing and turning at night, we actually have the practice of saying, no, that's not reasonable. I'll not worry about that. I'll push that out of, your mind, out of my mind. So he says, first of all, right relationship. Second of all, right thinking. The third thing he talks about is he talks about right living. Look at what it says here. He says, the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What's he saying here? Well, he's warning those of us who have grown up in church, he's warning those of us who show up here on a regular basis that knowing something in your head is not the same thing as living it in your life. And that we can actually be vaccinated from obedience with our knowledge. Doesn't matter if you know these concepts if you and I are not living. In fact, there's a warning in the book of James that says, don't be a merely a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And some of us are in trouble because we know too much about the Bible that we're not practicing in our daily life. And he says here, you're to have right relationships, you're to have right thinking, but you're also to have right practices in every arena of your life. If so, there's a promise. The God of peace will be with you. Now, so the first thing he says to us is he says the secret to having peace is to obey God. But here's the reality. The reality is that you and I, even when we're at our best, are not always going to be perfect. And so we're going to make mistakes this side of heaven. And besides that, even if we were perfect, there are other people in our life, in our business, at work, uh, in our neighborhood, in this world, who are not following Christ. And what they do many times cause us worry. And so he says to that, to cover all of that, he says, I want you to pray. And he gives us a formula for the kind of prayer that will take care of the things that you and I cannot control. He says there in verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, and he uses three words for prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now let's look at all three of those words. In fact, I would call this a prayer prescription. And I just want to give it to you right now. You can have it filled this afternoon. First of all, that word for prayer is a word that's used most of all in the Bible to talk about praise. And he says, when you start to worry, when your peace is fleeting, first of all, just praise God. Now, we know what praise is. Praise is when we talk about the attributes of God. And so we, we, we say, God, you are strong. God, you're mighty. God, you're able. God, you're faithful. God, you're creative. You're gracious. And as we praise God, and by the way, this is one of the things that 
most Christians do the least of in prayer. We're good at asking. Every once in a while, we're good at confessing. Uh, we might be even good at thanking God, but we don't spend very much time praising God. And praise is the rehearsing of the greatness of our God. And as you and I praise God, our God gets bigger. Now, if our God is getting bigger as we praise God, what's happening to the thing we're worried about? That's right. It gets smaller. Now, obviously, God's not getting bigger, but our perception of him is bigger. And in praise, we're reminded that our God has got this. It's going to be okay. The God who promised that he'll meet all of our needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus, he's got it. And then he uses the second word here, and the second word is the word supplication, and that's just a fancy word for ask. That he says no matter how small we think it is, if it's big enough to worry us, if it's big enough to rob us of our peace, we can bring that before God. We can lay it at his feet and we can invite him to come into it. Now let me warn you at this point. Let me put a little asterisk here as a little caveat. If you start asking God to be involved, he may take you back to obey. You may have to go to the beginning of the line. For example, you may come to him and say, God, I'm worried about my finances. And we put it at his feet and we're thinking that God's going to give us an answer and the answer is going to be the lottery. <laughs> but he surprises us and when we give him our finances, say, God, I need your help here. He gives us, instead of the lottery, he gives us this advice. Stop spending so much. <laughs> or he may say, go to work. See, what he moves us is he moves us from a pray, obey. He says, you're the answer to your own prayer. I think that's sometimes why we don't invite him into our problems, don't you think? Because of where he takes us back to. But sometimes he does provide a miracle for us. Sometimes he gives us a grace that is sufficient to do without whatever we're asking for. But we're to praise him, our problem gets smaller as our God gets bigger, we're to invite him into it. And then the last word that's here is the word thanksgiving and that word thanksgiving actually means thanksgiving you came all the way to church for that today and you say Steve I understand how if I praise God my God gets bigger my problem gets smaller I understand as I ask God he gets involved into the issue but what in the world does thanksgiving have to do with peace simply this many times when we do start talking to God about what worries us, what stresses us, what creates anxiety for us, what we do is we get tunnel vision. Going through a tough divorce right now and all we can see is that conflict, all we can see is that divorce. Or maybe we're going through a health issue right now and all we can think about is the health issue and we don't know what tomorrow might be. Maybe we're dealing with an issue at work with an irregular boss or an irregular employee and that's all that occupies our mind and we just get so focused in it, we become obsessed with it. God says, it's fine for you to bring all those issues before me, but please do not get up from your knees before you thank me for everything else that's going on in your life. That's right. I'm gonna ask you to do something right now. It may seem a little weird at first. What I wanna do is give you permission in just a moment to look around you. You're gonna see some people you know. You're gonna see some people you don't know. But would you do that? Just look to your right, left. Go ahead and turn around look at the row behind you and Look in front of you as they're looking back at you right now, okay? 
All right, let me tell you about the people you just saw. Most of them looked fairly normal. Not everybody, but most of them did. <laughs> let me tell you something I know about the person you just looked at. They've got problems in their life. You can't see it from the outside. We all got dressed up today. Got a smile on our face. Somebody will say, how you doing? We'll say, fine. Every person you saw is struggling with something. Uh, one of the people you looked at, perhaps, they have a teenager who's struggling with drugs right now. The person you looked at, and they have a tough time in their marriage right now. There are others who financially don't know how they're gonna make it to the end of the month. And there are people that you just looked at who are waiting for the results of a medical test, and they're worried to death. You know why that is? It's because we live in a fallen world, friends. In this world, the Bible says we will have tribulation. But let me tell you something else about the people you just looked at. If they're Christians, let me say it again, if they're followers of Jesus Christ, they've got more good going on in their life than bad. Okay? So we just make a list today of all the things that are going on in our life, all the circumstances. You know, some of them are gonna be pluses, some of them are gonna be negatives, some of them are gonna be pluses, a negative, plus. And you put finances on there, you can put health on there, you can put church on there, you can put uh, work on there, you can put your family relationships on there, you can do it all. But friends, do not miss the last thing on your list and that's the Lord. What did the scripture say that we read? First of all, it says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice is mentioned twice in that one verse. That's not the key word. The key word is Lord. Guys, you, you look at my life at any time in my life, any time in my life, and there's good and bad. But since the day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, there's been more good in my life than bad. Because one of these days that God's gonna take me to a place and there is no more sickness, there is, are no more enemies, there, there is no more struggle. And I don't have to drag my past behind me anymore. The, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Guys, in the worst days of my life, I've got more to say thank you for than I've got to be worried about. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. And so praise God this week, will you? Some of you, it's been a long time since you've praised him. Praise him this week. This week, invite him into your family. Invite him into your finances. Invite him into your neighborhood. Invite him into your nation. After you do that, thank him for his blessings because they are like the sands of the sea. It's more than we can really count. We could spend the rest of the day just naming all the blessings that God has given us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is not an absence of conflict or troubled in a troubled world. It is a right relationship with a God that we are called to obey and empowered to obey. And it's a conversation that we have with him on a daily basis. Let's thank God for that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. I thank you for how practical it is in each and every day that we live. Thank you, Father, for the, the difference that peace can bring to our life. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, 
Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.